motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am excited to be here today with our guest, Nicole DeLarzac. Thank you so much for joining me, Nicole. Oh, my pleasure. Nicole has over 20 years of marketing and consulting experience. She has worked with large global brands such as Coca-Cola and Kraft Foods, where she built new brands and also scaled mature brands. In addition, she worked internationally in Australia, where she started a new product business, growing it to $2 million in sales. She is proud to have launched the Productpreneur podcast, featuring inspirational female productpreneurs and valuable marketing content to grow a product business. Her podcast is charting in the top 200 for business and entrepreneurship on Apple Podcasts in Canada and Australia. On a personal note, she's a mom to three amazing children, which is her biggest accomplishment yet. She is passionate about fitness, skiing, and binges on self-development and marketing content. I'm so excited to dive in today, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, Nicole, to start off... You have obviously had so many incredible experiences throughout your career, and I would love to hear more about your story and your journey of wanting to maintain a challenging career while also being present for your kids. Yeah, thank you. What a good question. I feel like, I don't know if I've ever been able to find the right balance, but I think that's a struggle we all have. I've always struggled with this feeling of not doing enough for my career or not doing enough for my family. And so I'll tell you a bit about my story and how I sort of toggled back and forth between a bunch of things before I think I finally hit the right sort of groove. So I was pregnant when we moved to Australia. I was working full-time at Coca-Cola and I loved my job. I was in corporate and in marketing. I really loved what I did. But I have to tell you, it was pretty grinding. Like the hours were were tough and I put a lot into my work and I couldn't see myself giving less than 150%. And so when I was pregnant and I had my first baby, I felt like this real tug to be there for my child and not to go back to that corporate life where I felt like I was not going to be the greatest career person. And then I was not going to be the best mom. So I thought, well, what can I do to have that balance? And I realized that starting a business would be the way into that. And so I started an import business there. 
where I imported products from uh, South America and sold them to companies, the biggest retailers like Kohl's and Woolworths and some brands. And so that was my, the start of my entrepreneurship career was this import business, which I can tell you how I got into that, which is a strange story. But anyway, um, I did grow it to about 2 million in sales, which was amazing. And I was super proud of that because it really took me out of my comfort zone and forced me to do things that I've never done before. And then we moved back to Canada. And the reason was my mom was sick at the time. Um, and she did actually pass away. And so I just realized I just couldn't be away from family. It was just too hard. And so we moved back to Canada. And at that point, I needed to get out of that business because of a few reasons. But one was that it was just very hard to serve my customers who were in Australia. And so I thought again about, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to corporate? And at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to start consulting because that's what I know. And I consulted for Coca-Cola. And then I realized, okay, no, I think I really need to go back to the corporate world and build up my career and start to climb that corporate ladder again. So I thought that's what I wanted and that's what I should be doing. And I saw a lot of my friends doing that. And so I did. I went back to a different company and then realized that this totally wasn't for me. (laughs) I couldn't do this full-time career and be the best mom that I could be. And luckily I actually got let go. And at the time I was devastated, but it's probably the best thing ever because I realized that I never want to do that. I, I want to be able to have the control over my life and say yes or no to projects that I want to do. So then again, I went back to consulting and I've been c- consulting with different uh, larger companies, but also smaller companies. But I also felt this tug to help other women like me just who want to start their business, who want to have a more flexible work-life balance. And, uh, and so I started a coaching business to help women start their own product businesses and also help them grow their businesses. So that's what I do as well. But I know it's a long story, but it kind of gets to the point that I don't know if there's ever a perfect way to, to be a mom or to be that career person but I think you have to find your own way and you might have to try a lot of things, which I did. And is it perfect right now? Probably not, but I'm really happy where I am right now. So we'll see, you know, how, how, where this takes me. And, and I think I'll continue to tweak it as I go. And it, it really is such a journey, isn't it? And you're so (laughs) right. It, it is trying these different things and sort of feeling what works and what doesn't, but it can be scary to make those changes and to to shift in all those different ways. So I really loved hearing your your story and thank you so much for sharing it. And I'm wondering, so with all that you're juggling, and I love that you're, you say that it's not perfect because I think sometimes we feel this pressure to strive for perfection and I just don't feel like that is helpful in any way, shape, or form. But I know that there can be some really key and helpful strategies that can help um, manage our motherhood work juggles. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share some things that have been helpful for you. Yes, for sure. Definitely one thing that has helped me in my decision-making of figuring out what to do has been to know my core values. And I did this 
exercise once with a, with a coach and I truly believe you always need a coach. <laughs> I pretty much always have had one since I started being an entrepreneur. So we, I did this exercise with her about my core values and it was really interesting to see what those values were. And one of the main values that I had was freedom. And I keep going back to that. I've been offered full-time positions uh, in my consulting career and, and through the, throughout the gigs I've had. And I always think to my values, is it part of my core values? And usually it doesn't align with having freedom because having a nine to five or full-time job, you are there and you're not like taking vacation when you want to take vacation. And so that's what I always go back to. What are my core values? And then also, is it going to take me where I want to go in say five years time? When I envision my life five years from now, is this opportunity going to help further me to that goal or will it pull me away from that goal? And usually I find out that things like secure employment will (laughs) take me further away from that goal. (laughs) So that has really helped me. Uh, The second thing I would say is having patience because to be there for your kids, but also have a career or run a business or whatever it is you need to do, You need to have patience to give yourself the grace to not need to do it all. So sometimes we need to focus on one area versus another area. So sometimes it might be that we're focusing more on our family and, and that's not a bad thing. And so you don't need to feel guilt for not doing your career or business juggle. And sometimes we are focusing more on our career and our business than our family. And that's okay too. We just have to know there is a time in life to do either. And that to be patient that we will get to the other thing. It's just that this, at this moment in time that needs most of our concentration. So patience is another key thing that I try to give myself and I try to give myself the grace because there's many times when I beat myself up or I have these bad days and I feel like I'm not doing the right thing in either, in either direction. And also I would say prioritization. And I know that sounds cliche and everyone says to prioritize, but I do believe that uh, that is a very important thing to do. And I am the worst for this. I, I tend to want to say yes to everything And I think it's important to know when to say no. And I think I've heard this from many people, but if it's not not a hell yes, it's a hell no. So knowing that if you're not feeling that urge or that like real pull to do something, then maybe you should just turn away from it for now and say no. Repeat that for myself and remind myself that prioritization is so important and to just go back to what it is that's important to me. I think that is fantastic advice. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious too. So with your three kids and your children now, I think are similar in age to mine. So all school age kids, have you felt in some ways that you've shifted the way that you've managed your motherhood work juggle with sort of the ages and stages? It just, it makes me reflect on my own experiences and something things seem to work really well for me when they were little. And whereas now 
just even the timing of getting work done or the way I could work is very different now than in the past. Like I really had to sort of shift the way that I manage and sort of prioritize my time. Mm, absolutely. It's, it's definitely changed throughout the years. My kids are 14, 11, and 9. So they're more autonomous. They can do some of the schoolwork on their own. They don't need me to homeschool them. They're pretty much uh, independent. So that makes it so much easier. And I have been able to focus more on my business and on my work now that they are older. When they were younger, that was totally different. So if you have kids and they're the younger stages, don't worry, it gets better. (laughs) You will have more time eventually, but it's just different. Like now I'm more involved in in taking them to their extracurricular stuff, for example, or um, I will help them with their homework if they need it. But when they're younger, you really need to to be there and you might just need help. Like I had a a nanny and I'm not ashamed to say that I had a nanny who helped me when I needed to get work done or when I was working full time or when I was working on my business, I had that person to be there to help in the home, to help with the kids and all that. So you just have to figure it out as you go. And and maybe this is the time and stage for you when you need to be more present with your kids and, and it changes. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Absolutely. And you're right. It does change so much. And there are those, those times when, well, anytime really, it's okay to ask for help. I think sometimes there's this hesitation or I've felt at times that I've needed to sort of explain my decision or my choice. But even when I went back to university with a one-year-old and a three-year-old, I had somebody come to our house once a week so I could leave the house and go to the library and focus on my schoolwork for the day. Or um, in our family, not, we don't consistently, but there's busy stretches, especially with my university work. And we have somebody that comes into our home during those times and helps with ha- cleaning our home. Because I just quickly learned that, you know, it just, there are certain things that just add to the overwhelm and they really disrupt, not, I don't like the word balance, but sort of the flow of everything and what's happening. And it's more than okay to ask for Um, that help and to give yourself that grace. And as you said, to be patient with yourself. So I really appreciate you sharing. For sure. That should be another thing that we should add to the list is ask for help (laughs) because it does take a village to raise children and you don't have to do it all on your own and you don't have to feel guilty about not being there hundred percent of the time. In fact, it's nice for your children to see there are other people that can also help and, you know, if they can also look to others for support. So I think, I think you have to find the way that works for you, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's just it, right? We each need to carve our own path and sort of feel out things in a way that works best for us. And mm-hmm. Nicole, I know that you've created your business so you could help women bring their dreams to reality while having the flexibility of being present for their kids. And I do think... That flexibility piece is so important. And I'm especially feeling that now in the times that we're in. So Mm -hmm. why do you think that building a product business is a great way to build a part-time income and a flexible work home schedule? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so a lot of people start with service-based businesses, which 
are great because there's not a huge investment of, you know, inventory or product development up front. However, many times with service businesses, you're trading time for money. So hours for dollars. You, if you're not working, then you're not getting paid. And so I think what's great about product businesses is that if you create something once, you really can leverage it over and over and it gives you a residual income stream. So you work on it once and then you basically market, sell and deliver. It's not like you don't have to do work on it ever again, but you've got something that you can sell multiple units of, for example. And then also you can work on it when you have the time and not on someone else's schedule. So for example, in some flexible services-based businesses, people book time with you when it suits them. With product-based businesses, it's when you can work on it during the day. So maybe it's during nap time or, or when your kids are at school. And then lastly, in terms of a product businesses, um, you can sell your business. If you ever get to that point where you want to sell it, you can sell your business. Harder to do with a service business because it's usually you. But if it's a product business, if you've built some equity and you've got recurring customers, you can, you can sell your business. Hmm. This is interesting food for thought. And then I'm curious too, do you ever see people taking, I guess, both types of businesses and, and doing a little bit of each? Is that as common or do more people choose sort of a service-based approach to their business or product? Or do you see sort of a mix of the two? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, I usually see some kind of mix. And sometimes people are working full-time while developing their product business, or they've got a service business on the side as well. Because you do want, while you're working on a product, you want to have some kind of income stream coming in, ideally. So many times they do have something else. And I do advise them to have something else in terms of just having the cash to, to be able to keep going. But yeah, sometimes service-based people offer products that align with their service business. For example, like journals or planners would be something that maybe coaches would use. Or if they have a retail store, for example, then they would develop their own products for it. So it's really a mix of what I see. So that leads into my next question. That's more specifically geared to product-based businesses. But I'm curious, what are some of the different types of product businesses and categories to look at if somebody's just wanting to do some thinking and get their wheels turning on that? Okay, sure. Yeah. Great question. So there's four sort of categories of types of products. One is called convenience. So those are products that people buy frequently. There's lots of locations where they can buy it. And this would include things like food and staples and commodities. And then there's a category called shopping where they buy it less often. There's fewer locations and they tend to shop around for these products and brand is more important. So this would be products like in the fashion world or um, beauty industry. And then the third category is specialty products. And that takes special effort. People really have to do their research here. Brand is very important. And this could be products like cars, like cars, you're really doing your research for cars or luxury brands. It's where a product or brand is super important. And the last category would be something called unsought. So they actually don't look for these products. And these include things like new innovations. They don't even know they need the product. So for those types of products, you've got to build the brand awareness. So if you've got a new invention, you really have to build the awareness that that type of solution exists. 
So those are the kind of the categories of the types of products to give you an idea of what are the different areas you can look at. And then I also like to look at the types of business models because there's so many different types of business models you could look at when you're, when you have a product business, it doesn't have to be that you are branding your own product and selling it. There are different models you can look at. So for example, you could be a maker of your product. So you could be an artist, you could make your own candles or your own soaps or things like that. There's tons of those maker type products. And if you want to get some ideas, look at Etsy and there's, you'll see a whole bunch of different maker type products. And that's great because you, you hold and control the whole process from, from manufacturing to distribution. Then you could also look at manufacturers and just private label the product. So the product might already exist, but you're putting your brand on it. So that's less of involvement in your part of developing the product. You could look at developing an actual invention. So that's where you are thinking about something totally new that solves a problem where you come up with the invention. Typically you'd patent it, uh, the idea, and you get a manufacturer to produce it for you. And that's more involvement because you're looking at something from the whole process all the way through from product development to, to selling. And then you can also get into it like just being a retailer. Maybe you have an e-commerce store and you sell other people's brands. Uh, maybe you have a retail store and you're selling a whole bunch of different brands. And then a model that I've seen recently that has really been popular uh, is the subscription model where you either take your products that you have and, and people are subscribing and receiving them every month or every quarter, or you're curating products and you're putting it together in a box that satisfies some kind of need. And then you're selling subscription boxes like that. Um, so there's so many different models you can look at. And it's not just you inventing a new product. So that hopefully that helps you get your wheels turning. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that I love the way that you've broken it down. I think that will provide excellent food for thought for people and maybe to sort of place their idea into one of those categories of where it fits best and then be able to explore that rather than just being overwhelmed with the broad idea of developing a product-based business. Um, and I have a couple of um, young men in my family, my, <laughs> our two youngest. I feel like this is what they want to do. They want to invent. So uh, we might have to follow up with you in a few years. Nice. When they're a older. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love to see young out. entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it ends up resulting in a lot of mess. The creativity process is very messy. Um, we're working on the cleaning up following the creative process, but oh. I love seeing them come up with all kinds of innovative ideas and to really dream big, like sort of make up their own job and what they're going to be and do and create. It's very exciting. I love, I love seeing that in our kids as they sort of find their own path and think about what they're going to do when they grow up. Oh yeah. That's so cool. I think that they like definitely one of the things I wanted to mention is that our kids are watching. So they're watching you and how you're living your life. And if you're living in alignment with what you believe, and if you are starting things that are new and they're not perfect, they're going to model that. So um, it's funny that you say that. My daughter just recently said, hey, mommy, I want to launch this new business. And 
I won't say what it is because I'm not supposed to talk about it, but she wants to launch this business and she like wants to get the products and make them herself. And then we're going to market it and I'm going to help her build the website and all this. But I'm so excited for her because she's thinking about how, you know, make creating her own job, as you said. And it's so cool to see that they can follow their path and they can follow their dreams. And I love that. And I can't wait when you're ready to share. I am excited to check out your daughter's exciting (laughs) creativity and what she's been up to. That's so wonderful. And I'll have to get my my kids to have a look too so that they can be Mm -hmm. inspired as well. Cool. And I wanted to ask you, so there's of course all the ideas, right? And so many of us have an idea, but it's kind of figuring out the action plan or how to take that idea and make it into that something. So I'm curious of how people can get started if they have an idea, but they're not even sure what to do first. Where do they get started? Yeah, that's usually the place where people get stuck. (laughs) They have an idea, but then they give up because they have no idea how to bring it to life. Well, the first thing I'd say is, you might have an idea, but not to stop there, to also think of other ways to solve the same problem. So take that idea and brainstorm around it because maybe your your first idea isn't the one you end up going with. So also think about how does whatever your idea solve a certain problem because that's usually the best products are solving problems for people. And then also think of other ideas. And I just ask my clients usually to brainstorm um, a whole list of different ideas. It might be around the first idea they had, but also around other ideas. And we usually find out that actually their first idea wasn't the one they go with. And so I really ask you to stretch your thinking there. And then the second thing we do is to test it out with your your audience, your target audience. So get some, you know, get a survey going with your different concepts. We call them concepts, which are basically written expressions of your idea plus a visual and ask a bunch of questions around that to see what people are gravitating towards. What is it they like, don't like, what don't they understand? Just to understand how is it going to do in the market? Because you might love it, but just because you love it doesn't mean your target audience is going to love it. And so usually things change after that point as well. And so after that point, um, I take people through a whole process of going from that concept, that winning concept to actually developing the product and then launching it. And the next step is usually a prototype where you actually build a physical model of it, either yourself or having somebody help you with that and getting feedback on that as well. And then, eventually you're going to be launching it. So there's a few steps that are involved, but I have a couple of episodes on this. So if you are interested, you can listen to the Productpreneur podcast. There's one called Nailing Your Product Idea. And the second is Key Steps from Idea to Launch, which touch on these steps and what you can do if you have an idea. And I've also got a handout, which we can link to in the show notes, which is around how to come up with a winning product idea. And it kind of takes you through that framework of how to know if your idea is good and writing concepts around it. And then I also have a course. (laughs) I have a course coming up in January, uh, which is called The Product Pathway, which does just this. We get your idea off the ground from idea to a validated concept, a prototype and plan, business plan. 
That all sounds wonderful. And I will make sure that all of that is shared in the show notes. That is fantastic. Thank you. So I just want to shift gears a little bit and a little bit more back to the motherhood piece of our conversation. And one of the big things that is really important for me with the part-time jungle community is just about keeping things real. Because I think sometimes, especially on social media, we look around and it just feels like everyone has it way more together than we do. And motherhood obviously is a bit of an adventure. So I was wondering if you had a mommy mess up that you would be willing to share with us. So a mistake or something you wish you had done differently or a learning opportunity that you've had as a mom. Yeah, I started to write things down and I actually had a few of them, which is so funny. I can't even decide what to choose, but um, <laughs> so. my list is so long. I could write a book or five or 10. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Well, one I'd start with that. I really, I continue to kind of get mad at myself over and, and sort of feel guilty about is when things get stressful, especially now during COVID and we are all stepping over each other in the house my kids were just home last week because they were sick. And so a lot of them are studying from home and the same in the summer when they were home all the time and we we're all over each other and then house gets messy and I'm trying to work and it just gets stressful and chaotic. And so I've had days where I get so frustrated and, and I have to, well, no, not that I have to, I yelled and I didn't, I didn't like that about myself and I always regretted it. And so I wish I could say I was perfect and I, I didn't do that, but it did get to that point a few times. And so always when I thought about it, I'm like, okay, what could I have done differently? And so I could definitely have taken a deep breath, walked away from the situation, thought about how I would best handle it so that they would receive it best and that I would feel good about what I was saying and it usually stemmed from the fact that I was just stressed out. I didn't, I didn't really like the way that the house was looking. And, um, and I didn't like the way that my kids didn't respond to me when I was telling them to do something, which is a very self-centered way of looking at it because why weren't they responding to me? Well, maybe I could say it differently or whatever. So uh, I, I always look back in those and uh, try to correct myself when I'm doing it, but I'm not. I'm not going to say that I'll never do it again because I know I will. <laughs> and so I just have to keep, keep trying different things and catching myself when I do it. Can definitely relate to your experience. And, in, and it's hard because emotions ride high when we have so much on our plates and so much going on and we're just trying to do our best and it gets so overwhelming and giving yourself that grace and, and taking the time, like you said, I do the same thing to reflect on it. And we, all we can do is try our best and uh, yes, it can be, it can be very tough. And this has been a particularly challenging stretch as well. Oh, for sure. And I think that that's the key thing is just to forgive ourselves because this is a strange time. It truly is. And whatever we need to do to survive, but I, and as long as we learn from it and we reflect on what we could have done differently, I think that's when we're doing our best. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that is key. Absolutely. And before we wrap things up, Nicole, I was wondering if you had 
Any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? Sure. Yeah. Uh, A few things. I I think one is I really believe in self-care and taking time for yourself because you are important. Your dreams are important. And when you're not a happy mom... And we're not, when you're not happy about yourself, then you're also not going to be a happy mom. And so uh, your kids are going to notice when you are happier. So taking that time is so important. And whatever that looks like for you, whether it's going for a run, whether it's reading a book, taking a bath, getting your nails done, whatever it is. For me, I love to uh, run and work out and stuff like that because I always feel better about myself. So I make sure to do that when I can or when, especially when I feel down. And then the second is, it might be hard, as we already touched on, it might be hard in the beginning when the kids are younger, but it does get easier. So just to remember that there's just a time for everything and there's phases of our lives that are going to be different. And also we touched on this, but your kids are watching you. So, um, you know, whatever you're modeling, they're going to learn that, you know, maybe mommy works hard to help the family and, she needs to be more present for her career at that point. Or our mom loves us so much and she's there for us and she's helping us all the time. And whatever it is, they're going to get those positive reactions from how you're feeling and how you're acting. And so just to, to know that your kids watch you and, and, um, and just to remember that you're, what you're doing is, is you're doing your best and you're doing the best for them. So there's no need for feelings of guilt or for unworthiness because uh, you are doing your best. And I think that we have to remember that we need to be happy with what we are doing and why we're doing it. Yeah. And I, I think there can be times when we lose sight of that. And I think that reminder from you is so important because there can be so many things going on and our best in that moment might look different than when all of our ducks are in a row, right? And we need to really um, be kind to ourselves. And mm-hmm. and uh, I really appreciate those words of wisdom that you've shared, Nicole. Thank you. And You're thank welcome. you so much for being here today and for sharing your story, ideas, and knowledge with us. So if our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? Thank you. Yeah, you could... Find me on, I'm usually on Instagram at Nicole Delarzac and all of my handles are at Nicole Delarzac and my website is NicoleDelarzac.com. So yeah, shoot me a note and, uh, and let's just get chatting. I'd love to hear more from you. That sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. I've Uh, listen to your show a lot. And I just think you're doing so many amazing things for moms and they can learn so much. So thank you for all that you do. Thanks so much, Nicole. I appreciate that. So before we go, I just want to share a little bit about Nicole's course, the product pathway that will be starting on January 25th. Imagine you have your dream product business planned out and a winning product concept that you know people will buy. You can't wait to get it launched because you figured out your suppliers and you've started on your prototype. You're so excited that you've registered your website URL and applied for your trademarks. You just know this product is going to be a winner. You can totally do this. And now is the time. 
e-commerce is booming and it's only going to accelerate more this year. With Nicole's course, The Product Pathway, you get actually get way more than a course. You get weekly group coaching and one-on-one mentoring from Nicole to keep you accountable and on track in working towards your goal. Through a proven system that's used by major brands and multinational companies, you'll go through the course step-by-step to get your idea off the ground. The modules include ideation, building concepts, getting feedback, refining, developing, and building the plan. This is where you need to be to get your idea off the ground because starting is always the hardest part. Registration can happen until January 23rd. Again, the course starts on January 25th, and I will share the link to sign up with you in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.